Hey, what's going on, guys? Just want to say welcome to the podcast. We are finishing up the first month of 2023. It's been an awesome, awesome first month. A lot of success with the podcast, a lot of new listeners joining the show and and, and listening to the interviews that we've had. So I wanted to say thank you to everybody who's you know tuned in and uh, just remind you all to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. But before we jump into today's interview, I want to give a, a shout out to the sponsors of today's podcast, which is Rip Nutrition. They're a locally owned and operated hardcore supplement store here in the Treasure Valley, guys. So I go there for my supplements. If you work out and you're just trying to stay healthy and you want some supplements and you want to support local and you live here in the Valley, go there. But they're also going to be uh, creating their website where you can also go and have it shipped to your location. But they've got all the different brands like Hype Supps, Insane Labs, Bucked Up, uh, Innova Farm, Chaotic Labs. They've got their exclusive Ripped series. Uh, like I said, they got the... Um, stimulant free pre-workouts that I needed because I was trying to stim, you know, stay stem free for the last three months, just getting off of caffeine for three months to give my adrenals a little bit of a reset. And they've got those, but they've got all the others. Like, I mean, they've got some awesome pre-workouts that are not stem free. If you need some caffeine to hype you up a little bit, um, they've got weight loss ups, protein powders for muscle building, you know, pre-workouts, post-workouts, creatine, collagen, and, and, and a lot of other stuff. Just make sure you guys come in and check it out. Um, Matt is the guy who runs the place down there. And he's awesome. I'm going to list the hours here in the description of the podcast. Have that here for you. And his phone number if you want to give him a call. But if you're an athlete trying to get in shape for the off season or any of that, right? Like today's episode is going to be talking about a device that you can use to help you in your training. Uh, well, why not add some supplements on that as well to help you with your recovery and everything? It's it's totally fitting for today's episode. So um, make sure to go check with him because if you're getting ready for the off season, he does consultations like one-on-ones and group consultations if you're a high school athlete or sports team so come check it out if you're a parent uh, make sure you go and check out rip nutrition downtown boise it's off milwaukee uh, right down by the boise town square mall so support local support the sponsor of my podcast uh, big shout out to them for helping out the show and i hope you guys enjoy this episode today we're going to be talking to an individual who's an entrepreneur a strength coach that wanted to find a way to help people recover faster in between you know, it, it, during their workouts. Uh, so he created a device, we call it the um, Ava cooling device, which we're going to get into in the episode. You're going to learn a lot about um, recovery and how it impacts people's workouts. And I even have one of my own that I'm going to be doing a giveaway for. It's got the GTG branding on it, thanks to our guest here on the show. So strap up, let's go. This is the Game Time Guru. So what time is it? Game Time Boost. This is the Game Time Guru podcast where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. Shane Larson, that's me, host of the show. Excited to be here with you guys. Another episode, another Friday morning, another, well, we're recording this not on a Friday, but the episode drops on Friday morning. So if, if you're new to this show, just know that if you hit that subscribe button, you'll get a new episode every Friday morning, different interview. Um, we're trying to deliver a panoramic view on sports. Six years running into this show. And if this is your first time listening, just know that we have you know, expanded the show worldwide. It's in 179 countries at the time of this recording and in all 50 states, it's been heard. So we're excited about the opportunity to uh, continue to serve the listeners and bring you guys uh, quality content and learn about new things. Um, I'm just grateful for all the listeners out there. So 
just to, to say thank you. It's a new year. I'm just grateful for everybody who supported from day one. Even if you're a brand new person, welcome aboard. Anybody who has supported the journey, it's been amazing um, as we continue to, to blast this show out to the masses. So if you haven't done so already, make sure you you know hit that subscribe button. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts, awesome. And if you guys like the, the interview, all I ask in return is to leave us a review. If you leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, it helps the show get out to more and more people. The more reviews you get, the better the algorithm hits. That's the secret of podcasting, just as an FYI. So if anybody wants to charge you for that information, don't let them. The way you grow a podcast, get some reviews out there. Make sure the algorithm sees it and it, it pushes it out to more and more people. So with that being said, today we're going to kind of bring on, uh, we're going to be discussing with our guests that we're bringing on a, you know, we're talking about a device that you could use in, as an athlete. Um, some that I saw on a social media post. Uh, from Roberto Bergerson over at Boise State University. Berto actually was on my show back in the day. He was my idol. So that's why I follow the guy. Um, I love him. He was my favorite player when I was in the fourth and fifth grade. So like, I just idolize that guy. So um, I follow him on social media, saw this post and I was like, oh, so I went down this rabbit hole trying to find out what this thing was all about and uh, reached out and I'm speaking to the owner, the founder of Ava Cooling Technologies uh, or Technology. And I'm I'm ecstatic to have him on here. It's just, it's it's exciting to bring a different, viewpoint in the sports world is completely different uh to the show so kyle sell is joining us kyle thanks so much for joining us man yeah shane thanks for the invite man i'm happy to talk to you heck yeah brother heck yeah so i mentioned you know we we're talking about ava cooling technology people are going to be like what the heck is that maybe they're maybe they're reading the description of the podcast right now and they're, they're trying to get a little gauge on what it is um but give us a brief rundown of what is ava cooling technology yeah, so I think the big question here, um, what got me interested is like, why do we fatigue as athletes, whether we're competing or working out? And lo and behold, a big part of exercise, one of the byproducts of exercise is that our body temperature rises. And that is actually like one of the major primary drivers of fatigue in our body is like, is that, you know, as we exercise, our muscles are working, our body's working hard, that's going to increase our body temperature. And body temperature um, is something that we're trying to manage as humans, but leads to fatigue in a couple ways. Okay, so um, I'm a physical therapist and strength coach, uh, worked at Duke University, trained Olympians. I've been at this for like 15 years um, and I'm on I'm, I'm, I'm doing a hike up here. I live up in the mountains and I'm, I'm listening to a podcast and I'm listening to Dr. Huberman out of Stanford. And uh, he's talking about palmer cooling so like cooling the palms of hands between sets and reps of exercise or, or during timeouts of games and as someone who's like lived in the sports medicine the sports performance world for 15 years i guess this is like 13 years at this point um i'd never heard of this concept of like cooling yourself or regulating your body temperature through like literally the palms of your hands um and so i'm so i'm going i'm climbing up this mountain i got my like you know weighted vest on and i'm just dying of heat this is in the middle of summer and so it's really resonating with, with me what he is saying. Um, and so, so, the, so the physiology of this is because exercise leads to increased body temperature and increased body temperature leads to fatigue. Is there some way to like that we can, we can manage that better and keep, you know, keep that body temperature under control a little bit better. Okay. So um, our, you know, our body temperature is primarily regulated in the brain at the hypothalamus, it's called, right? So there's a little sensor in our brain that's like kind of like taking in temperature signals and it might have you sweat or it might create goosebumps or it might tell you to like, like stop working so hard or it might tell you to start moving to warm up. 
Um, so that's all happening in our brain, kind of like, you know, un unbeknownst to us, there's these calculations going on at the hypothalamus. Uh, but this researcher at Stanford, his name is Dr. Heller. Um, he was he was looking at what's called glabrous skin. So glabrous skin is parts of our bodies um, on the palms of our hands, on the soles of our feet, and like the hairless portions of our face. These are all areas that have like zero hair follicles, right? So there's there's parts of our body that seem hairless, but you actually, if you look at it, there's little hair follicles. But like right. on those three areas, like the palms, the soles, and the hairless parts of our face, we don't have hair follicles. And what's even more important for what we're talking about is what's happening underneath those areas is that there's an, uh, uh, a network of blood vessels, a specialized network of blood vessels that are called um, arterial venous anastomosis. That's a, that's a mouthful, but it, it says AVA is like the short term for that. It's the acronym, right? AVA. And that's actually like where our product name came from. It's we, we all say AVA to cooling technology, but it's really AVA because that's the arterial venous anastomosis, right? And so what's important about that is that's like your, your arteries bringing blood down and then your vein connects to that. And in an AVA, it's a, it's a direct connection, okay? So it's just a, it's a circuit. Whereas in other parts of our bodies, there's capillaries involved. And capillaries is where we like let go of oxygen and then we like grab CO2 and there's, you know, it's a, a big metabolic process, okay? So it's, that's super important. But the AVA, doesn't have those capillaries involved. It's just a circuit. And so those circuits in our palms and in our feet and in our face are primarily used for regulating temperature. And what resonated with me and might resonate with you is like, you know, if you're hot at night, what do you do? You stick your foot out from underneath a blanket because you're dumping heat, right? Yeah. Or if you're cold, right? You walk up to a fire. The first thing you do is you stick your hands out and you kind of warm up your hands first because that's like kickstarts that, that warming circuit. Or your mom, like when you were a kid, you had a fever. She knew to put a cool rag on your forehead and not somewhere else. So it's like a system that we all use all the time to help regulate our body temperature. But no one had really been thinking about it from, you know, a, a you know, working out or sports performance um, uh, angle. So Dr. Heller did. Right. So this is like kind of circa 2008 to 2010. He started kicking off some research projects at Stanford. So he they're close to the 49ers and he invited a couple 49ers down to do like a dip test. So they're doing like body weight dips and they would have the athlete do, you know, the max number of dips in a set, take a three minute break. And he said, you can just continue on for as long as you want. And I can't remember the exact numbers, but on day one, let's say he got a hundred dips um, and quit after seven sets or something. They invited them back five days later. And during that three minute rest break, they had them palm or cool. So they have their own system of using it, but they would cool the palms for those three minutes. And again, they wouldn't, you know, they would just say, go to failure every set. You're going to take three minutes. You're going to hold, hold on to something cool to dump heat out of, and then you're going to repeat. And they had like a, like something like a 60% improvement in dips done in that workout, which is insane. Wow. That's a yeah. If you know wow. anything about working out, yeah. If you've been working out like that, that number just sounds insane. And honestly, to me, as a physical therapist and strength coach, you know, I kind of thought it sounded like BS. Like it just seemed like too good to be true. Um, and so, you know, part. So if we go back to like why temperature causes fatigue, there's like two primary reasons. OK, so there's one at the muscle cell level. So at those muscles that are working, the, the temperature of those muscle cells is going up. OK, and as that temperature rises, we have little like enzymes inside that that muscle cell and those enzymes actually as they heat up like change configuration their shape changes and that makes those muscle cells like less able to do their job so you're going to fatigue from a cellular level um, at the muscle cell but temperature is also like we said is, is like giving signals to your brain as well so this is the other major component of that temperature causing fatigue is it actually 
is telling your body to decrease its motivation to continue training at that level or at that, you know, or, or, you know, like worse, like won't let you like train harder. So fatigue, uh, or sorry, heat also causes a decrease in motivation to want to train. And this is probably like an evolutionary thing, right? So we don't go out in the, in the desert and like hunt until we die from overheating. Like there's like some, there's some signals that we're getting. Um, and that's telling us to like, not, not continue working. Okay. So it's a, like a built-in protection measure. Okay. So heat's causing temperature, uh, or heat's causing temperature signals at the brain and at the muscle cell level to that, that, that causes fatigue. So, um, so going back to like the Stanford research studies, um, the, the early ones, like that 60% was partly because they got more like reps per set for, for, for more sets, but they also like didn't get that negative feedback loop to tell them to stop training. So they kept doing like more and more sets. So like the Palmer cooling workout actually resulted in way more sets being done, not just more reps per set. So that's where that 60% number comes from. Cause that, that's a, you know, like if you know anything about strength and conditioning, that's just like a crazy number. Yeah. But, it was, but that's because there wasn't that, like the athlete didn't just choose to stop when they wanted to. They just kept going for way more yeah. sets. Yeah. Wild. Okay. This no. is crazy. The history no. behind this too. And how you even like heard about this in the first yes. place, right? Like that's, that's the, that's the cool part of like all of this stuff. Like when I, when I talk to business owners and so forth, because that's what I do with a, my full-time job. I'm around entrepreneurs and business owners all day long. I, I myself am one outside of my full-time job as well. Obviously, I run the show and I've done other media businesses myself. I love hearing the story. The yeah. story behind it is what like sells everything, right? The story behind it is wild. Yeah. And so I'm glad that you were able to share that because it kind of gives us a glimpse as to why like you even in the first place like got kind of involved with all of this. And you have yeah. some data points that you had heard as well to kind of share that 60% increase is absolutely insane. And I'm sure most of the listeners here who are athletes who train at some capacity have like they understand that's a wild increase that's absolutely insane but um yeah so i guess kyle my next question would be yeah. when you had this information and stuff like how long was it before you decided like hey i kind of want to take yeah. that information and implement it into my own thing like how long yeah. how did that transition happen yeah so like i said I was, i'm on this like high clicks in this podcast dr huberman's you know who i really respect super smart guy um, he's got that Huberman lab podcast and it's just amazing about, you know, um, just human performance. Right. Um, so like in my mind, I'm like, I'm like, this sounds like really too good to be true. And this research has been out for a while. So like, why haven't I heard about this? This, this is 2021. Um, so I get home and I immediately like start Googling about Palmer cooling and I find the research articles and they're like legit. Like there's, there's a, there's a few articles out there from different universities, like showing that this stuff works. Um, and so I'm like, okay, I got to buy something to try this. And so, that's where the hangup came. I was like, there's really nothing to buy. Like the Stanford group had created this like really elaborate system. It's called the cool knit. Um, and a few different people have tried to like, I guess, you know, sell this and, and market it and under different names. So basically you got like this, these two mitts that you would put on and in, inside each mitt is like circulating tubes that, that kind of like funnel cool water through there. So it's, it's a great idea. Um, and that, that and those tubes are connected to like, if you ever had surgery, there's like a thing called a cryo cuff and you put that on your knee or shoulder and it kind of circulates cold water. So you've got this like cooling, like you have this like cooler that's attached to the mitts. Um, and it works well, like the, you're going to get a cooling effect. Um, so the problem when I was doing, when I was looking at this, probably everybody was listening to Huberman as well like the wait list for this thing was like nine months or something. And it was also like 12 to $1,500, something like that. Um, and I also look at it as like, well, I'm not really going to, I'm probably not going to carry this around the gym because <laughs> it's pretty like, uh, like hefty and cumbersome. <laughs> um, so I was like, 
And I was also like, I think they're kind of overthinking this. Like, you know, if, if it's as simple as when I stick my foot out from underneath a blanket or like hold my hand up to a fire, if that's the same physiology, like, why do I need all this fancy gadgetry? Like, I just need something to dump heat on. And if I can create a temperature gradient from like my body temperature to the, the device, I'm going to like enhance that, that system that our body already uses. And so, so I was like, okay, I, uh, I want to try this out. I can't afford the cool mitt and it's not even available. So like, what can I do? And so I was like, well, what, you know, what types of materials, um, you know, would be good for this. And, and I'm not an engineer. Um, so I, so I got on Facebook and I joined a bunch of engineering groups and I started asking these like material science guys, like, I'm like, Hey, like if, if I was going to put heat into something and I don't want it to change temperature, like what type of material should I use? And so like a bunch of guys chimed in. Um, so I, so I found like this, the, the metal that I wanted to use. And then, you know, some other guy was like, Hey, you know, if you fill that metal up with water, um, that waters can accept a bunch of heat too. So, so basically the, the physics term is, um, specific heat capacity. So you want to like hold on to something or put your palm on something that has a high specific heat capacity. And what that term means is that it takes a lot of energy to change that temp, that, that's that, uh, material plus or minus one degree. Right. So something of the high specific heat capacity is going to take in more energy before it changes its own temperature. So I was like, cool. OK, so I found the, the, the metal that has that. And you also need something that has a high conductivity. And I know I'm kind of nerding out here, but conductivity means like not only will it ex like will it accept a lot of like a, a lot of energy into it, but it won't heat up like just underneath your hand right away. It'll kind of disperse that heat across the whole um material so like plastic has a really high heat capacity but it's not conductive at all so it's just gonna like heat up under your hand really quick uh, versus like um the aluminum that we're using the type we're using like we'll, we'll really spread that across the the surface um and that and that'll prevent it from heating up so quick so i'm like okay so i got i found my you know i found my material um i got some input on like how to like make it stay its temperature for as long as possible um and so i ordered it and i just made like i just made a prototype you know and um it was you know super it's just a hack. Um, and I was like, well, I want to try this out, but I don't want to, but I wanted to see like, okay, if I do like the, the exact same rep or the exact same number of sets on one day, you know, to failure and then repeated it just for the same number of sets, like what type of difference would I see? Cause remember that Stanford article, that Stanford um, research, they let them just kind of keep working forever. So it wasn't a true like apples to apples test. Um, so I did, so I decided to do like seven sets to failure of like a seated shoulder press. And I, and I chose that cause I wouldn't be able to cheat with my legs as I got tired and I could really tell when I lock out on a shoulder press. So it was an easy one to tell, like when my set was over, cause I would just like not be able to lock out anymore. Um, and so, you know, on day one, I think I got like 120 reps or something over seven sets. And then on day two, I repeated it immediately the next day. Cause I also wanted to see like, you know, how it would, you know, on the day two, like if you repeat the same exercise the very next day, you should do worse. Um, and honestly, when I woke up that next morning, I was like, you know, going to failure seven times in a row is really strenuous and really hard. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I was like, I, even my motivation just to do it was a little bit down, but so I, but I ended up doing like 150 something reps. Oh, wow. So I had like a, I had like an 18% bump in improvement. And so like, to me as a strength coach, that seemed like, you know, one more realistic than the 60%, but 18% improvement, you know, from one day to the next is like incredible. So that, that got me super excited. I was like, holy crap, like, like there's something, there's something totally here. Um, and I could feel it when I did it. Um, and so, 
you know, I, I posted a video of that and it didn't really get any traction, you know, cause the, my, my bar was just like an aluminum. The most people couldn't even tell I was doing it. Um, I don't have much of a social media presence anyway, but like no one, no one even like noticed that I was doing that. Um, and so then I like, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do a different test. So I, I painted it bright green, <laughs> my prototype. Um, and then I repeated another test, but I didn't do like a three minute interval because in my first test, I repeated that three minute interval, like, uh, like Dr. K uh, Heller had done. Um, I did like a one minute interval because because even like if you think about a workout, often we're not going to just sit down and just sit there for three minutes and like and right. just chill, right? You're going to like throw in another exercise. Um, that's just going to take a long time. And I guess, you know, probably technically from a strength conditioning like standpoint, if you really want to get your best benefits, yeah, a long rest break like that is is um, is probably best for like daily performance. But um, but you're going to do other, other things. And, and the whole idea here was to like, like, how does this help you mitigate heat? And fatigue right and so i was like well what if i shorten that rest break to one minute and so i do my test but then i also add like i added like jumping lunges right afterwards just to get my heart rate up and then only rested for one minute and i and i compared like palmer cooling to, to not and in that test i actually had like a 28 percent improvement so like the shorter rest period and doing something to actually like jack my heart rate up um right after my my set to failure uh, resulted in a bigger like difference between cooling and not cooling. And, and that, like I said, like that time I, I, I had a, like a bright green, like fluorescent green prototype. I posted it and like, I started getting a lot of attention because people were listening to the podcast. Like, you know, just like me, they didn't have anything else. They could, there's nothing out there to buy. Um, and uh, people, I guess, didn't want to go down the rabbit hole. That I went down to making a prototype or figuring out like what would work the best. Um, so I started getting a lot of attention. And that just got me thinking, like, I've, I've always been pretty entrepreneurial as like, you know, maybe, I mean, there's definitely something here, like this is really affecting me. And, and I was doing workouts uh, and movements that I train a lot. And so like, even like a 5% improvement would have been awesome, but I was getting like 15 to 30% improvement depending on the workout. Um, and so I just like, you know, I had this idea and I, I made a quick website and I put a buy now button up. Um, and I didn't even, honestly, I, you know, that's all I did. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't have anything. I had a picture of my device. Um, and I think in like the first night I had like three orders and then the second night I had like four more. So I had like seven orders right away with like, you know, basically no effort. <laughs> um, and so I shut down the website. Um, and then I went, really went down, really went down the rabbit hole of like, okay, can I source material? Can I make this thing look more professional? Um, you know, can I, can I, you know, can I source this thing and make it realistic? Um, and, and in the meantime, I'm testing it with different people and, and in different situations. And, um, and so, yeah, then we ended up launching, um, with some pre-sales like January one of last year. So like a year ago. Wild man. Yes. Like, this is like, I'm geeking out about this. I, I think yeah. the listeners who have followed me for a while understand who I am by now, but if you don't like, I geek out about entrepreneurship just as I do with sports. Like, I think this is such a cool concept. And as a former boxer, as you're talking about this, and as I was looking at your Instagram feed and stuff and just kind of learning more about it, I remember, I mean, obviously in boxing, you're not gonna be able to take your gloves off in between rounds and hold on yeah. to the thing. But like, I remember that, like they tried to cool us down between rounds because what some people don't understand about combat sports is like, that is one of the, like the biggest things for me. It wasn't just like punching and stuff. It's how hot you get and you yeah. get a one minute break in between rounds and you go and sit down and you can't calm your heart rate. Your heart rate yeah. will not calm down. You can't get your breathing under control. You're dumping sweat. So you're losing all the water. You don't want to take too much water in because yeah. you'll overload your belly and you'll feel logged down. So like you're kind of miserable. I don't think people realize that. So in boxing, like you're kind of miserable during the fight itself because you, there's not really a good way. So the, the coaches would put like an ice pack on my chest or on the yes. back of my neck. 
and help you to control your breathing so you can calm down. Um, and and get, get, otherwise you're just fatigued. Cause I'd go into the second round and I'm just drained. And yeah. I'm thinking to myself, like if there was a way like that I could have actually taken my gloves off and just done something like this to like, you know, control myself and get some, dump some heat really quick. That would have been incredible. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so the fact that you've done this. And the second thing is the fact that you went down everything, Kyle, and, and, and got all the information yourself. I mean, physical therapist, strength coach, like, it kind of makes sense. You, you're, you're one of those guys, you're a smart guy. Like you obviously went to school, you learned some things you enjoy learning because not everybody's built that way. Like asking these engineers how to do this. And then not only asking them, but then implementing the information that they gave you to go create a prototype wild. So cool though, because now you have a product that is like you said, professional, uh, you've sourced the materials, you understand all that stuff. You've kind of gone through that, that, that route. But I want to talk to you about this then too. You yeah. talked about testing it with different people, different types of stuff. So you you gave the example of like weightlifting, right? You're, you're yeah. doing strength training, but talk to us about other uh, maybe athletes or or yeah. sports uh, of sorts that, that that it could be used for that you've seen so far in the the short you know life lifespan of it so far. Yeah, yeah. So awesome question, right? So you know the you know the obvious situation is any type of like you know, fitness training. So between intervals or between sets, like you're going to, you're going to rest if you're given any type of effort anyway. So it's always makes sense to like palm cool versus not like, you're just going to like, you're going to keep your, um, your Watts, your output at a higher level. Um, so then we go to the sports side or the competition side. So, you know, basically any athlete has a strength and conditioning program that they're doing. So it makes sense there, but like within game or in competition, you know, it's a little bit of hit or miss on what sports like really line up like the best for this. Okay. So if you think of like sports that have like high outputs of intensity with like built in rest breaks, like Palmer cooling makes a lot of sense. So, you know, for me, I'm a, I grew up like a basketball junkie and, and played a little, you know, small college ball. And, you know, that's kind of how I met Birdo and everything. Um, basketball is perfect because it's like high intensities. You're going to go to the bench. Um, you're not wearing gloves. Um, there's, there's, there's between periods, between halves, there's timeouts, all those things. And this doesn't really also in Palmer cooling doesn't really take you out of your like normal activity. So you're just gonna, you're just gonna Palmer cool, whereas you would have normally just sat there. So you're still going to sip some water because water, you know, having being properly hydrated is a big part of like, um, regulating your temperature and, and controlling fatigue. But like, honestly, like that water, that hydration was most important to do last night and leading up to the game, like in game, it's probably not as effective and doesn't have as big of a difference in your performance as Palmer cooling. Honestly, as, as a dumping heat is like going to have a greater effect. Like if the next few seconds, the next few minutes like matter to you in a competition setting, like dumping heat is going to give you way more benefit than, than, than more hydration, right? Like the hydration should have been taken care of ahead of time. So basketball works really well. Volleyball works really well. Tennis, um, you know, like we think of like some sports like baseball, like, well, like a pitcher might do really well to do this between innings, especially like in the dog days of summer. Like we actually had a lot of headway with um, softball last year, you know, Oklahoma University, um, you know, they might have had like the best softball team ever last year. And they they they, they purchased our units to use like lead, going into the World Series. Um, Jocelyn Allo, who is like female athlete of the year, like uh, this is like the biggest moment in our in our company, honestly, like is the is the uh, national semifinal against UCLA. Uh, she just like jacks this um, uh, 
a home run, but it was a uh, grand slam. And she like cruises around the bases, goes into the dugout and like grabs our device to like, just kind of like chill her out after that. And um, so like Oklahoma U University and, and softball wasn't even really on my list of things, but just like the temperatures that those growls are dealing with, you know, in, um, even in the sport, that's not super aerobic or anything. Um, you know, they just felt a benefit and they would just like store these near the water bottle. So they would hydrate and then they would cool just to bring their temperature back down because it has like a huge effect. So any sport like that where, you know, you got, you know, frequent rest breaks um, and you're not wearing gloves. So so we had like the the, the Buccaneers um, NFL team bought some in for like preseason camp and they were using them. Um, but then, you know, what the coaches realized, like, like, like wearing gloves in football right now is like so um, popular that <clears throat> there it wasn't great because it's just like too cumbersome to take those like tight gloves off and put them back on. So so some players don't wear them and they were using them and, and the coaches gave us great feedback, like for the weight room. Uh, but you just got to kind of think about like your sport and how how you could potentially use it. Um, but even like. I, I try to educate coaches. I'm like, Hey, it's not just the palms, right? It's like the forehead. So if you're like a football player and you have your forehead covered and you're like dying, like just expose that forehead and like, let those blood vessels like dump heat. It's like super effective. Or if you're like a skier or you run outside and, um, and you've got some like cooler temps out, like take advantage of that. As you heat up, expose your forehead. That's even more, more like important. Like we always heard like, Oh, all the heat comes out of the top of your head, but it's really that forehead really radiates that because of those ABAs, those, those, those blood vessels I was talking about. But like combat sports, I'm, I'm starting to work with some MMA guys because, you know, boxing honestly is not the best, you know, um, especially in like the amateurs because they're going to wear headgear. But yeah. but again, you know, if you went to the if you went to the uh, corner, like having your corner guy put a rag on your forehead, you know, might be more effective as Dr. Heller would say, it's more effective than going around the neck. Right. So, again, if we like where you where you cool yourself for this type of situation seems to matter. Like so my blood vessels in my neck are going straight to my brain. So if I put a cool rag around my brain, this is Dr. Heller's argument, and I cool that blood here and it goes directly to my hypothalamus, I'm kind of like telling my thermostat that it's cool out. And you might actually go into like temperature, like preservation mode, right? Where you want oh, to tell yeah. it. Yeah. So he, he was saying like, like that might be like a totally wrong thing to do. There is some, there's some evidence for like chest and back, but like the neck specifically, which which you'll feel cold, but like, you might be like, again, telling your brain that it's cold. Um, and that's not what we want to do. We want to go into like, you know, we don't want to preserve temperature and yet that might be what you're telling your brain in that situation. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of sports that do line up. Well, some don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, one, one other thing I haven't talked about, it's super important. Like our, you know, and kind of going back to telling our body the right signals, like we want our cooling device to be cool, not cold. Right. So if you have like ice cubes or like frozen peas or whatever, I hear always hear like I get a lot of arguments like yeah. what what someone else could use. I'm like, yeah, you use it. It's fine. Uh, but if it's freezing cold, like your nervous system is going to perceive that as as being too cold and it's going to like vasoconstrict and it's going to shut down those blood vessels in your palm or wherever you're cooling and you're not going to circulate that. So the, the trick here is to be like, you know, cool, but not cool. So like what we found is like 45 to 60 degrees is like the sweet spot of temperature where you're going to get that cooling effect. Oops, excuse me. You're going to get that cooling effect, <clears throat> but not trigger our nervous system to respond as if it's too cold out. Nice. Okay. That's, yeah. that's also interesting. Yeah, so I, I, I have a question. So if you're a runner and yes. I'm assuming you could, you could have that with you. And, and, but my question is how does the device that you have how does it stay cool? Like how long does it stay cool? How do you make yeah. sure, do you put it in the freezer and then, then bring it with you? Like, how does it work to stay cool? 
Yeah. And, you know, for my mind, this is like a super simple tool, right? So there's no internal cooling system within it. You know, I wanted something um, that was one affordable and one super practical. Um, and so, so again, if we go back to like, okay, the, the effective range is like 45 to 60 degrees. Well, I mean, the cool thing for me, just kind of like lucky is like most cold tap water in the U S is set to like between 40 and 50 degrees. So so if you know like what you're going to use as your source for to either fill it or like refrigerate it, like, you know, your starting temperature. So you can you'll have an idea. And then, you know, it basically like if you know, like when I go to the gym, I, I cool this thing to like uh, 42 degrees. That's what our, our uh, water fill station is set to. And um, and my body's kind of like gotten used to being 42 is like not too cold for me. I, I actually perform really well there. Um, so I know. Um, I've got like a, a, a model coming out pretty soon. That's going to have a temperature gauge in it. But, um, but I know that if I, um, Palmer cool intermittently between my, in my workout, I'm going to get actually like an hour of use before it's above 60 degrees. And that's just because we've done like a lot of tests with an actual thermometer. Um, so, so, you know, the, the bad part is like, you, you got to kind of know like where you're starting from. And then, you know, you're going to have a, a good like 45 to 60 minutes of like frequent use. Uh, but if you like cool it, you just don't touch it and you don't leave it in the sun. It's going to like, like I said, it's got a super high specific heat capacity. It's going to like stay. It's basically it's a temperature for a long time. So like some people, like I've, I've got some teams that like they'll fill it, they'll cool it, um, they'll bring it into the gym and they won't touch it for like an hour and a half just because of the logistics of the day or the way practice is going. And it's still like in the sweet spot when they start actually using it like an hour and a half later. So um, it actually stays temperature for a long time and still until you start dumping heat into it, then it's going to change. And there's yeah, without having like, you know, battery packs and um, refrigeration systems, um, then it turns into like what Stanford had and it just becomes like unpractical to me. So totally. Um, yeah. I love the practicality of it. The, the word practical is perfect because that's, as I'm sitting here talking to you, like that's one of the things that comes to my mind is it's practical. It's there. Yeah. It's not too big. It's something that you can carry around with you. So, yeah. Dude, if people are carrying around like their belts to the gym, <laughs> their wrist wraps, they're carrying their phones, they're carrying yeah. a, a, maybe a towel or something with them. Like they can carry this around. Like yeah. I don't want to hear any excuses there from anybody. Yeah. Yeah. So my question for you, Kyle, is this yeah. then too, um, if someone's listening to this and we're going to put the, the information here in the description, yeah. but like, we want to know where we can find it and, and can you do individual orders? Does it need to be bulk orders? Like how does someone actually like reach out to you to buy one of these? Yeah. So we do all our sales, like just through our online store. It's, it's avacooling.com. So avacooling.com is just our store. We sell like most of our sales are individual to people like who hear a podcast or, you know, go down some rabbit hole and want to try it. Um, so that's, that's the bulk of our sales. I do sell like team packs at like a discounted rate and, uh, even like for our major, like our big universities and pro teams that are using it, you know, we can, we can put a logo on it for a price as well, but, um, but yeah, we can, you know, so if you're just an individual who wants to try it, um, we sell them for like 59.95. So it's not, not a big investment, but I would say like, you know, for something that costs less than a pair of shoes, like basically you got a lifetime of like performance enhancement. Um, and it's, like I said, like, it's, it's just super, it's super practical. And, um, you know, I think, you know, you know, I've, I've had a couple of different products in, in my lifetime that I've tried to push. And some of those products are things that I've, I've always had to like push on to people and like kind of force them to try it and like try to convince them of the benefit when someone holds on to this in the right temperature. Um, and so I, you know, I train people like every day in the gym. Um, if I, if, if someone's been using it, like they just like 
they'll go down to the ground and grab it. Right. Or if I don't bring it to a session and, and they like it, cause it helps them work out harder. Like they're kind of irritated with me cause I don't, I don't have it with me that day. Um, so it's just like one of those things that like inherently uh, like people just like gravitate towards it. So there's like, you know, and it goes back to like, it's just a system that we already use. Right. We, we stick our foot up from under the blanket. Like we hold warm mugs of coffee, like in the morning to like warm us up. So the same way it cools us, you can actually, it's like a super efficient way to warm us as well. Like this is the same system. Dr. Heller talks about super interesting, like, like in the post-op situation, if you have a ACL surgery, right. You go into the OR, you come out, like you've been under anesthesia, your body's super cold. And the reason like people have to stay in the hospital for as long as they do afterwards is because their body temperature takes a long time to heat up. And he actually did a study where they showed like you could actually warm somebody up like 70% faster by like cooling these areas or like, excuse me, warming these areas instead of like um, warming under the armpit or something. So there's like a huge difference. So that's, that's like another um, uh, avenue like that needs to be explored more, but um but yeah so sorry i went off on a tangent there but like yeah you can you can you can easily pick these up we ship them you know like my kids are my uh labor right now <laughs> and so <laughs> um you know one thing i'm trying to do i'm a i'm a you know i was an army trained physical therapist i was like in the uh in the military for in the army for seven years um and so i um i really want this to be made completely in the u.s so right now like the bar part of this thing like the the material um, the people like doing the work. So I, I buy my material from Georgia. It goes to the Treasure Valley to Boise. I have a couple companies out there that like make it look pretty and and and, and get the and and color it and engrave it for me. Um, and I'm working with Boise State University right now to like get our caps upgraded. So uh, so right now the only thing that's not um, made in the USA is our is our our end caps, which like come off super easy. Um, and you just fill it up with your cool water. You put your cap back on. It's a super sealed tight. Um, but pretty soon we're going to have that made in Idaho pretty soon. So um, a big goal of mine is to like have this completely made in the USA. Um, and we're super proud of that. And I think like, honestly, within the next eight weeks, we're probably going to be there. So, um, so we're super stoked about that. And I'm, I'm stoked, you know, as an Idaho resident to like actually have it pretty much all done here too. Yeah. Heck yeah, yeah man. Well, first and foremost, thank you for your service. Um, huge military uh, family that I come from. So I appreciate awesome, you man. and everything there. That's awesome. And I, I respect the heck out of that too. Uh, getting everything in the, in the country. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I think that's super, super cool, man. Good for you. That is yeah. so awesome. What you've created, Kyle. I, I love it. It's super innovative, uh, innovative, practical, and it's, it's simple. Like it's yeah. a simple concept and it's, it's cool that you like went through the, <laughs> the stages of trying to figure this out because you're talking about the Stanford mitts and all that stuff. And as I was taking notes while you were talking, I'm typing stuff out. I'm thinking to myself, like sometimes people overcomplicate things like the mitts, like that's a cool idea. And sometimes yeah. like you can figure out a way to be just as effective, but make it a little more simple, a little more yeah. simplistic. And you figure that out. And I, and I think that's awesome. So um, I'm going to put the link in the description, avacooling.com. Um, obviously in the social media posts that you guys see here, you'll probably see them before the podcast launches. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you in that as well, but I would encourage anybody, if you're a coach, you're an athlete, you're a parent for that matter, anybody who's involved with athletics or you're, you enjoy exercising, you know, go check this out, avacooling.com. Um, you can see Kyle's products there and we'll continue to watch your, your progress as the, you know, stuff continues to upgrade as you get, you know, new caps and everything like that. Super, super cool, man. Um, uh, I love entrepreneurs brother. And I think it's cool. So I'm going to go into the final part of the, the interview, which is what I call the guru's gauntlet. Shane, I'll go real quick, because there's one other thing that I think um, I really want to get across to the coaches. Oh, yeah, out there. let's do it. Uh, and, and, and I say this because like Boise State basketball, um, 
has really like leaned on this as one of their primary uses. And it's kind of something that is a little bit out of left field. So um, if we talk about like sleep science, you know, if you talk to Dr. Walker, or any of these guys, they're going to say like the best time to exercise is early in the morning. And a major component of that reasoning is it takes a long time for your body temperature to drop back down to like its normal temperature range. And if you give yourself like the rest of the day to do that before you go to sleep, you're going to fall asleep better and reap the rewards more effectively from your exercise. Right. So like, but all of our sports, basically like any sport that has like, uh, you know, fans, so basketball, football, whatever, everyone's like competing at night right? Yeah. Especially basketball. And so what we've seen is that um, like the Boise State players and, or Alberta was at Eastern last year, like when they're done competing at night or work or, or exercising at night, they're, they're issuing these to players to like fill up, take, take home with them. And we got a sleep protocol. So as soon as they get home, because they're elevated they're you know, they're, you know, their, their hormones are jacked out They're They're, you know, just kind of on a high from the competition. Plus they're super hot. They're still like really the temperature's too high. Um, we have a protocol where we have them actually go home, um, immediately cool their bar. And while they're like, you know, eating or typing or playing video games, they're like rolling their feet on it. Cause that's one of the, so the soles uh, of the yeah. feet. Right. And then when they're done, like kind of using their hands and actually get in the bed, they hold onto it for a few more minutes. And we've actually seen like the players are loving it, using it as a sleep aid because it gets their body temperature back down, kind of calms them. Um, and so I just don't want to, I didn't want to leave that, leave that out because like, like we're getting almost as much attention from a sleep aid as we are as a performance enhancer. So, so sorry, but I saw, oh, no. Kyle, I'm so yeah. glad you, you want, you interrupted me to share that because yeah. someone like myself, I struggle to sleep. That's been a, a big factor for me. I struggle. And I, I've always tried to find, like, I've, I've had issues with uh, sleeping pills uh, in my yeah. life. It's one of those vices that I've had. I had like a dependent on sleeping pills, especially totally. if I was, doing late night exercises or competition or anything of that sort. Even when I'm coaching, for example, like I'm not even, I'm coaching and I come off of a high. I'm not the one playing. Totally. Like I either I'm happy or mad or whatever. And then it takes my brain time to shut off and I'm hot. That is a huge factor for me. And, yeah, and I know from experience, everything you just shared there from the days of competing, the late night stuff is just common. Like rarely are you, most people as adults, they exercise in the morning with like strength training and so forth. But it, the, if you're really looking at like how people do sports and athletics, it's usually at night. Yeah. It's at that's night. Work, you have yeah. down from it. It's wild how that works, huh? But it's super well. so cool. Uh, that's a huge factor. Sleep yes. factor. So I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you yeah. so much, yeah. man. Of course. Um, man. Yeah. That's, that's massive. So um, as we go into the guru's gauntlet, I'm just going to ask yes. you a couple of questions. I took yeah. some notes based on some of the things you were saying. And so I'll just ask you a couple of questions uh, before we end it and uh, just kind of get your insight on some stuff. So, You've been around some athletes. You you mentioned some of the places you've you've been at, right? You've been around, yeah. you know, you went to Duke University. Like you've been around some some athletes in your life um, with a lot of stuff. So I want to know what the most common trait of the most successful athletes you've been around is. So what is the most common trait of the most successful athletes you've personally been around? It's 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 easy. It's not it's not athleticism. It's like it's a mental toughness. So like I'll, I'll give an example. So Kristen Armstrong, you'll probably know that name because you live in Boise, but she's like three time gold medalist in cycling in the time trial. OK, so um, I think she's the most decorated U.S. cyclist of all time. Um, and and she's she's incredible. So when I was in I, I used to work in Boise um, and I'm a, you know, like I said, I'm a strength coach and physical therapist. But Kristen had already won two gold medals and she retired after the second one. She um, had to like two hip surgeries and then 
she's it's like we're leading up to the Rio game. So this is like 2014, we're talking a little while ago. But so she unretires. Yeah, she unretires. And with like eight weeks of training, she wins the US national championship. And so she's like, you know what? I'm gonna go for Rio, which was again about a year and a half away. So um, I had known her from like working at St. Luke's and she reached out to me. She's like, Kyle, I, I need like at my age, she was like 41 at the time. She's like, at my age, I need to actually like strength train um, leading up to Rio. And she's like, will you be my strength coach? And I'm like, yeah. So I bring her in and I kind of like evaluate her as more of a physical therapist would. And I noticed like she's like, she's so weak, like lying on her side. She can barely like raise her leg up off of her other leg, like towards the ceiling. And, and this like wow. infuriates her. So she's like super frustrated. Um, you know, nevertheless, she like just won the national championship in this state. So she's like, again, just incredible. Um, so like, you know, so that just gives me some like low hanging fruit to work on. So we like start working and, and, and this is someone who's like, again, won two gold medals, like in, in, a, in a sport that has like a lot of people, like a lot of people ride bikes. Right. So she's like the best person at riding a bike in the world. Um, and, but yet can't like do some very simple like strength tasks. And she's like never strength trained in her life. Um, and so every time we would come in and work out, it's like basically like brand new to her in which to her as like an athlete is like super frustrated to not be good at things. And man, just to like see her drive and like how hard she would work at something or like the next week she would come back, I would give her like some homework and she would just like start crushing like these workouts that we were doing. Um, so to me, it was just like, okay, this person, um, just has a mindset to like take themselves to a place that most of us can't go to. And if you think of like the time trial, it's like, you know, it's not like other cycling events where there's like a Peloton or a group of riders who are like drafting and everything like a time trial is like, you're on your own, you're on a bike, you have a certain distance to cover and you just go as hard as you can. And that's, that's, that's basically it. And so like this person can just like take yourself to areas that I think a lot of us can't. And I've just, you know, you know, when I was at Duke, I did my sports fellowship there, worked, worked with Duke basketball and football and, um, you know, or, or even, you know, like just with like everyday athletes, like those, those ones that excel, like they, yeah, they probably have some talent, but honestly, it's like their, it's their mental game that is like a, above and beyond. So huge. I'm glad you shared that. That's awesome. I want to, I want to ask a similar question on the yeah. business side of things. So for business owners, you've been around the business side of things, you know, from strength and conditioning coach, you're, you know, personal trainer or, or a physical therapist, like, you, you know, you, you got all the things and now you're a business owner with Ava Cooling Technology what is the most common trait for the most successful business owners that you've seen? Yeah. I mean, I mean, hopefully I'll have a better answer in four or five years when I've like made this thing more successful. I feel like I'm just, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm just, an, I feel like I'm such a newbie at this and, and every day I'm like learning and, and maybe, maybe that's part of it is that, you know, I think one is like, you know, finding something that resonates with people. That's like a, a, a good idea. A good. And being able to like, I, I don't know, from my standpoint, it's like being able to like identify, like something that's a good idea. And then also like knowing when something you just got to like, like sometimes you got to like give up and be like, okay, like that's not going to work. Like you might've thought it was like, so I, this has happened to me twice. Like I've, we've created two products in the past that like, you know, I thought it was just going to be like a home run to me as a physical therapist, strength coach made a ton of sense. Uh, but it was like, I was telling you earlier, like I was just always having to push it on the people. And it's just, you know, I could, and I could even see like, if I spent a ton of money on advertising, I just don't think it was going to go anywhere. Um, and so like recognizing that, okay, this is not it. This is not, you know, I can work as hard as I want to, and I can think it's the best idea, but I got to identify like when to like cut my losses and like move on to something else. And so um, I think maybe that's what I've learned the most is like, you know, okay, I, you know, this, this product like really resonated with me. Um, it wasn't something that was really on my radar. Um, 
it, it made sense. And I was able to kind of like, you know, um, find some momentum from not only like the people I thought it was going to work with, but like, like people that had no idea it was going to work with like softball or firefighters or, you know, like all these other, like, you know, post COVID syndrome, like all these people are like reaching out to me, like, Hey, I think this is going to work for me too. And, um, I guess so maybe being able to identify a, um, opportunity and like, and like, and like being open to like learning about it, um, might be it. So I don't know if I'm like that answers your question greatly. Like yeah. I'm, I'm learning from a business standpoint, I'm learning a lot, man. I, I got a lot to learn. And, um, so, uh, but I'm hoping maybe in five years, I'll have a really good answer for you. No, that's awesome. No, I, I'm stoked, dude. That's, that's a great answer though. I appreciate that. Last question I got for you, yeah. Kyle, you mentioned a small school basketball experience. I mean, you kind of got some basketball experience. Um, first off, yeah. there's two parts of this question. Tell us where it was that you played and then what, what's the biggest life lesson that basketball in your, your days of playing basketball taught you? Okay. So I played at Eastern Oregon university and the day that we're recording this last night, they played, um, Gonzaga and they have the school record for getting hit, like beat by 71 points. So Gonzaga like broke their school <laughs> record of beating my alma mater by 71 points last night. Um, and I like, you know, I was, you know, I'm a 5'10 guy, not super athletic, tried really hard. Um, so I got, you know, I didn't last very long in the college game, but I, but I love basketball. Um, and they play, you know, some great schools down by you, like, like College of Idaho and all that. So, um, so that's, that's where I played short, brief time, time period there, but I uh, loved it, loved every minute of it. Um, you know, basketball for me, um, I guess I, I was, you know, I was always looked at as like an underdog going into like, if I show up to an open gym, like I'm not going to get picked first. Like when I go play hoops in Seattle, like when we live there and I go down to green Lake, um, they're like, Hey, white boy, like, like, come on. Or like, you know, everyone's like looking at me as, as an underdog. And I, and I kind of like relished that, that I would be able to surprise people. Um, but it mostly, it just like taught me that I had to like work super duper hard to like, to be above average. And, and I actually, and I love that. I, and, and I love the game. I love the camaraderie. I love being a part of the team. Um, so, I mean, I think basketball mostly just taught me like, like if I don't work my tail off, I don't work super hard and I don't like put everything I have into it. I'm just not going to make it. Um, and even when you do all that, like sometimes you fail. So I, I mean, honestly, basketball more than anything, probably like taught me like to work hard, but that also like that doesn't mean that doesn't guarantee you success. And and I had a lot of failures. Like, you know, I remember in the, our state championship semifinals, you know, we got beat at the buzzer. Like that crushed me for, for a couple, couple of years, honestly. Like, like I was just such a, a basketball junkie. Um, so that, that taught me how to like fail gracefully. And then, you know, getting cut from college teams like that taught me, you know, so, you know, it taught me like you can, you can do everything you want, but life is cruel and it's going to like, um, it's going to hand you like failures. And so like, you know, maybe that helps me appreciate successes too. Love that answer, man. I, I always say, Kyle, like sports teach us a lot about life. That's why I wanted to ask that question, just because yeah. there's a lot of parallels between sports and life, sports and business and all that stuff. And yeah. those are like the, the whole failure thing is such a huge thing too. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I wish more kids, I'm trying to help. That's what the point of this podcast, I want to help the listeners, especially the younger athletes understand that. Like you can do all you want. You can do all you want. You can put in all the work in the world. It's not always fair. Like there's, it's possible you might lose at the buzzer uh, in a state semifinal it's possible that you might lose, but guess what? You, you have to learn how to lose. And you, I love that you mentioned lose gracefully. Um, it's, it's interesting. 
I think it was Dustin Poirier. He's a fighter who mentioned something mm-hmm. similar to that when he lost to Khabib. And he was saying like, at times like this, be graceful. Like you just got to learn how to lose gracefully sometimes, but sports there's goods and bads and it's, it, you can utilize it for the rest of your life. So totally. Kyle, I appreciate your, your, your insight here, sharing more about the Ava cooling technology, the, the, the device that you have. Again, I'm going to encourage everybody who's listening to this, go check it out. I think it's super important. I'm going to get one myself. Um, I think it's really, really cool. So I'll be promoting it for you, man. I, I just appreciate you being willing to join the show and uh, connecting with me. And hopefully I can chat with you more in the future, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, Shane, that was fun, man. I really appreciate you. Appreciate the support. Absolutely, brother. For all those who are listening, make sure you leave us a review on the podcast and uh, subscribe because we'll be coming to you next week with another interview. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.